Broadcasting from the Any Hour Services Podcast Studios, I'm your host, Mike Wilson, and you've tuned, 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 I don't know, you're here for another episode of Who's in the House. Stay tuned. Who's in the House is a series where we meet the men and women who help us keep our electrical, plumbing, heating and air conditioning systems running, the tradespeople that help us keep our homes safe and comfortable. Today, I'm joined by Corbin Cassingham. How you doing, man? Doing well. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Um, for those that are listening or watching, go ahead and introduce yourself, who you are and what you do here at Any Hour Services. So my name's Corbin. Uh, as you said, I do heating, ventilation, air conditioning. I'm a service technician. Um, was that it? Yeah, that, that, that was good. Perfect. That, that was exactly <laughs> what I asked for. I just, I didn't know how long you were going to like uh, go in there. I, I think it's uh, funny. Sometimes people are like, what does HVAC stand for? Do you, do you always like introduce it as heating, ventilation, air conditioning, or do I, you like bust out with HVAC sometimes? I try to say heating, ventilation, and air conditioning. Do you think that in, in your experience out in the field, do you think there are a lot of people that still don't quite like when they hear HVAC, they might not know what it means, but do you think they understand that that's their furnace and air conditioner or no? Oh, uh, that's a good question. I've, they call I've, me a good question asker. I've had, I would say it's about 50%. 50%. Ways, yeah. Cause sometimes, especially with us being in so close to the trades, like we've got that jargon that we that we use and like HVAC, I hear it so much that like you, we just make the assumption that people know what that means, but they don't obviously. Where are you from? <laughs> I am from Spanish Fork, Utah. Spanish Fork, Utah. Born Spanish and raised. Fark. Yep, born and raised. Did I say Spanish Fark? No, I did. Oh, okay. I was just adding that in there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I grew up in the South and so sometimes without me recognizing it, a Southern draw or a southern enunciation will come out i'll be dropping g's left and right on my ing words and so like i don't know so like uh, spanish fark that i mean that doesn't sound too bad <laughs> but i didn't know if i accidentally said it um so born and raised yes sir have you lived for any extended period of time outside of that area or has that always kind of been your home i have been all over the world I've all lived over the in, world yeah i've lived in a lot of crazy places for sure uh, how, like what, what's the craziest place you've lived? Uh, the craziest place I've lived, I, I guess stayed or lived, lived was Okinawa. Well, you, were, you were alive in all those places, right? Yeah. I was alive in all those places. I guess we'll the, say you lived there. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Unless it was so, like a little vacation. I can see it. visiting versus like live. If you were there for more than, you know, a couple of weeks, I'll say you lived there for a while. How's that? So the craziest place I've lived by a long shot was Afghanistan. Afghanistan. Yeah. Military. Yep. Awesome. Um, it sounded like you started to say Okinawa. Uh, yeah, so I was stationed in Okinawa, Japan. That was really? my first duty station. Yep, that's awesome. So, how long were you there? A year. A year. So, okay. So, I'm. I, you started out. You were gonna say the craziest place was Okinawa, but then you changed it to Afghanistan. Like after you kind of determined like what living, like how long of, because I was in Afghanistan almost a year, I guess. Thinking back on it. Okay. 
Well, but since they were the same amount of time, I mean, they, they still were like, anyway, doesn't matter. <laughs> so what was uh, crazy about Okinawa? Because like Afghanistan, we all understand like the, you know, the fighting and the, you know, things that were going on over there. Sure. What was going on in Okinawa? Okay, just foreign language, foreign language, foreign culture, um, architecture, uh, the jungle the spiders the cockroaches <laughs> <laughs> but you were in okinawa for military service yes well okay well let's let's go there tell tell everyone about uh what what branch in the military your your history there so i did 10 years in the marine corps awesome that's great um when did you well okay then all right we'll get back to the military service Let, let's let's just start back uh when you were in high school and growing up in Sp spanish fark uh <laughs> Irish brogue, I guess they're <laughs> Spanish. I don't know. I'm horrible at accents. Anyway, so when you were in Spanish Fork in high school, uh, what did you think you were going to do when you grew up or what did you want to be? I I always thought I'd be a dentist. Really? I wanted to be a dentist and I always thought I'd end up being a dentist. Yeah. How come? Um, Just because the dentists that I'd met, I remember um, going down to play down in Wolf Hollow. Um, I don't know if you know where that's at over in Spanish Fork. Spanish farm. I may have I may have been there but I don't, I don't know it was this really cool little uh, ravine type deal that a dentist had put together like a play area um, and there was a bunch of like fort like ho little playhouses and mm -hmm. there's a stream bed going through it a waterfall and it was just this cool little like playland that he'd put together for kids and I remember thinking like man I want to have that guy's money and I you know I eventually found out like who he was what he did and all that stuff and he was a dentist his name was uh, Tom Sorensen that's cool. And I remember thinking like, oh yeah, I'm going to be a dentist. Was he, <laughs> did he ever, was he ever your dentist? He was. He was. Yeah, he was. Is that how you found out about this playland in the, in the mountains? Um, no, uh, my cousins actually lived very close to that, probably block or so away from it. And I think they're the ones that kind of took me there the first time. Showed you the place. You were like, this is dope. I got to meet this dentist. Yeah. And then you like go in like. I just need a checkup. Hey, tell me about this like playland that you built. <laughs> yeah, well, not not so much like that. I, I actually ended up going there uh, with like my mom just took me into the dentist. It was coincidence. Coincidence, yeah. That's awesome. But then after I met him, I'd kind of asked him about it. Of course, in the dentist office. Uh -huh. And then the next time we were down there playing, I had to. Go, I'm like, oh, let's go talk to him. I know him. He's my dentist. And I'll, all right, take my friends up there. He had this sweet Ferrari in the garage. He had like a Porsche 911. Like he, he did well. Huh. And I remember thinking like, oh yeah, I want to be like this guy. <laughs> there you go. So you wanted to be a dentist. Uh, what age were you when you were like, um, okay, you made the connection with dentist? Oh man. It's another good question, Mike. Uh, Here's I don't the really thing. know. There's Maybe a, we're not gonna we're not gonna like fact check you on this. So like, <laughs> if you get too hung up, you can just you can just give no an idea. age, and if it's close, <laughs> I think everybody maybe will believe it. Ten, twelve, something, <laughs> something like that. So okay, then um, wanted to be a dentist. Go through high school. When did that change at all? When you were in high school, as far as like ah dentist. Now that I'm like getting a little older, I don't want to do that. Or was in, it always through high school dentist? Mm, I was pretty pretty set on it. Um, the deterring factor, I guess you would say is grades. <laughs> I wasn't the most studious in high school. Like I did, I had the potential to do well. I just, a lot of times didn't want to be in school. I'd rather be duck hunting with my friends or riding my dirt bike or gotcha. <laughs> so, 
So, and I started thinking like, man, if I'm going to do this, I need to buckle down and, and get it together and start putting my grades together. But, and did you ever buckle down? And- um, ish. <laughs> We're going to go with no. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. So then, um, when you when you decided that um, dentistry, because of the schooling connection, wasn't what you wanted to do, what did you, where did your mind start going then? As far as like what you wanted to do, um, I didn't really know. I remember being a senior and thinking like I don't know what I'm gonna do, and then uh, I don't know. A lot of events happened that year, um, but. Yeah, I didn't, I was like, oh no, what am I going to do? I knew that I didn't have the discipline to come out of high school and go directly into college. And I didn't want to get caught up in the whole college party and in debt and all this nonsense. Sure. So I didn't really know. Um, So I'm kind of lucky. I remember, it seems like late my junior year, uh, one of the Marine Corps recruiters came and started talking to me. And that kind of just changed it. Because, you know, they present it as this big, beautiful, which don't get me wrong, it's there's a lot of awesome things that you get to do in the Marine Corps. Uh, it's not always what the recruiter makes it out to be, but uh, <laughs> I Marketing. remember him, I remember him talking about like them paying for college and having the GI bill and getting to see the world. And all those things were very appealing to me. I was like, Oh yeah, that sounds perfect. It's like kind of a time field during that. And then hopefully by the time I get done with that, I've got the discipline to go to school. And so it's pretty lucky huh. to realize like I wasn't the most disciplined kid <laughs> so the the recruiter that came in uh was it like a job fair day or was he just like wandering the halls looking for guys that might need to buckle down and like hey you look like you'd be a good fit he he actually was re- referred to me by one of my best friends at the time um his name was sean frazier okay and the recruiter had been talking to him and he was actually signed up and was going to join he was in the delayed entry program and all that stuff and he referred him to me and he actually told me about it too it's like, hey, I've been thinking about going in the Marine Corps and all this stuff, and um, I hope you don't mind, but, you know, I told Staff Sergeant Hill to come talk to you that you might be, you know, a guy that would go or whatever. And I was like, where'd you get that idea? That's really, <laughs> it was just random. And he, there's, they have what's called a buddy program. Mm-hmm. Like when you go and you can go in with a friend and you go through basic together and all that stuff. And so that was the plan initially. And then he ended up uh, deciding he didn't want to go after he was the one that initiated it, and I went. <laughs> did once you uh when you sign up in air quotes like how do you how do you back out i, I, th- I thought once you like decide you're going like so there's uh, you're going there's definitely different steps to by the time you like actually ship Got so it. part of it that there's a program that's called the delayed entry program and usually that's if you're not 18 or something like that they wait till you turn 18 um there is uh, people that have gone in, like say you graduated high school, you're still 17 because of your whenever. You're, sure. Um, you, then your parents could sign for you and they, then you would still be able to ship. But a lot of times. So is it kind of like a letter of intent? Like, like, hey, here's what I plan on doing, but you haven't like, like shipped out. And yep, so you've got to change. When you're, when you're a teenager, you've got the opportunity to change your mind a little bit more. Yep. That's okay. a good way to describe it. And they know too, like obviously the recruiters have been through it before. And sure. All that they know sometimes like people are like eh, it's a big decision it's a big commitment so so is 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 what was appealing to you the travel the world the adventure like all of it paying I mean, for college all that stuff was like man this sounds like the best 
op- opportunity. That and also boot camp. Like I remember seeing on TV like different boot camp stuff, whatever. And I always thought like, oh, that'd be awesome to try. I think I could do it. Or I wrestled all through school and mm-hmm. was very into sports and physically fit gym rat totally. So you saw it as like a challenge to like test your physical and like endurance like yeah i can i'm tough i can do that yeah see i was the opposite i was like i was like <laughs> when i saw boot camps and stuff i'm like oh man whew. <laughs> push-ups that's that seems hard you know what's funny uh i always thought the same thing like oh no push-ups they don't do as much push-ups as really like, not a, it's mostly pull-ups ah pull-ups why, are way why worse is than push-ups. I, I i agree with you <laughs> I look way more silly trying to do a pull-up than I do trying to do a push-up. I can at least bang out some push-ups. Uh, but why Why is that? Do they explain to you, here's why we do these particular exercises? Um, yeah, so pull-ups is your entire, I mean, that's lifting your entire body mass. Yeah. So if you, and if you can lift your entire body mass, that's more, It's and it's, uh, push-ups are obviously like a strength sure. building, but it's not as much core um building is pull-ups pull-ups require abs and obliques and like your whole core shoulders and everything maybe i've been doing pull-ups wrong i always thought pull-ups were like your arms and maybe some shoulders like so they if you go really really close under grip Uh then it's going to be mostly just arms and biceps okay which is don't get me wrong, like you'll get some big buys from doing, but they're definitely a lot harder that way. If you spread your arms out, go okay. over grip, you're using like your biceps, your back, you're using a lot more muscles. So, and they kind of train you. But see, going through, going through the motions, I'm sitting here, I'm like, and maybe it's because I don't have abs, the, but like, I just, don't, I don't feel those contracting. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not arguing it. I'm just, I'm in my mind. I'm, I'm just. Anyway, all right, Sarah, keep going. <laughs> no, that was it. That was the end. That, that was the end of the story. Okay, well, well, that was that was a good ending. Uh, okay, so uh, you get recruited. Uh, where was your boot camp? Talk talk me through that. Uh, I was in San Diego. Really? Uh, how did you like that? Did did you get? Was that a cool place to do boot camp? Yeah, yeah. I'd never been. So at that point, the only place I'd been outside of Utah was Wyoming. We have. Uh, family in Wyoming and I traveled through there, but that was about it. So getting on a plane and traveling to, oh no, I guess that's not true. Take it back. I had been on a plane out to the East coast with my grandma. Where at? Uh, we went out to Michigan where she was from. She has a sister that lived out there. And then from there we traveled to Ohio, Pennsylvania. We actually went under the Detroit river into Canada. Cool trip. Yeah. That's cool. That was cool. Um, okay. So go to San Diego, go through boot camp. Um, how is it were you, so you were, uh, there's reserves and then there's, is it active duty, active duty. Okay. So you're, you're active duty. So do you go straight from boot camp to deployment or do you do boot camp and then come back, uh, to Utah and wait for your, um, like where you're being, uh, deployed to? Yes and no. So in between, um, after boot camp or basic training, they'll send you to Marine combat training, which is a little different. So in the, I would say most branches of the, the military, but in the Marine Corps specific, if you're not infantry, then you go to combat training. If you're infantry, you go to SOI, which is school of infantry. They train you, you know, infantry tactics and patrolling and all that stuff. And you get a lot of the same thing in combat training. It's just, it's, it's a little different. 
probably a, a lot of people would agree a little less hazing in the <laughs> in infantry those infantry no in the other side in combat training Got it. those infantry guys they get it handed to them uh what were you infantry or were you the other side no i was motor transport motor transport yeah so i went in combat training is motor transport like do you um like do you get learn the mechanics and like do that type of thing or is it just like they teach you how to drive and operate the equipment or is it all encompassing yeah so you go basic training then uh, marine combat training and then after that you go into mos school or military occupational specialty training and then you get trained that's a formal school you get trained in whatever your job is for the military marine corps whatever it may be and i think they're mo mostly um structured the same um and that well it's and so in between that you get leave so you go boot camp combat training you get leave like that's kind of like you're finished with that big first portion uh -huh. your basic training or whatever it may be <clears throat> and then you go I, I think i got like uh 14 days leave i want to say something like that and then after that got all my stuff together and they sent me out to um Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri, which was actually an army base, but they've got a couple of Marine schools there, which one of them was uh, uh, military police. So the military police and the Marine Corps go to Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri as well. And then the motor transport guys go there and they teach you, just like you said, mechanics, driving skills, different variants of vehicles. Cause in Motor T there's kind of a, it covers a broad range of different vehicles that you operate. So, so do they send you there because you're not quite trained enough to to go on like full deployment or is is it that they didn't have somewhere to deploy you yet they the marine corps trained you and then they retrain you and they train you again they train you and train i mean you never stop it is a continuous if you're not in theater is what they call it or overseas on like an actual deployment in uh in show of force or in an actual conflict or whatever it may be, you're training hmm. always. So, all right. So you're doing that. And then, um, it, then do you go to Okinawa or like, so did yeah. Okinawa come before Afghanistan? Yes. Okay. So what happens next? So MOS school, um, graduated MOS school, man, this is, I can't really remember the fine details of the it's okay timeline, because I, once we have it captured you'll be at, you'll have this record for yeah, posterity I mean, <laughs> forever so when like the grandkids come and be like how did you get in the military be like listen to episode 70 of, in the, of who's in the house and that that tells you the story <laughs> that's awesome yeah um I, I think that's pretty close though so graduated occupational training went over to okinawa so when you're in occupational training um you usually get to pick uh they have it a they call it a, your dream sheet, right? So you mm -hmm. say on your dream sheet, you, you want to go West Coast because they've got duty stations on the West Coast or the East Coast or, and obviously the Army and Air Force and Navy and all that stuff are totally different. Um, but the Marine Corps generally has, has the West Coast stations, duty stations, East Coast duty stations, and then overseas duty stations. So I put West Coast first because I'm from Utah, East Coast, overseas. Where did they send me? east coast or excuse me overseas then the east coast then the west coast well, which is probably why they call it a dream sheet they, <laughs> i uh, yeah it's like it's like tell me where you want to go most and that's like your, your <laughs> last one 
Yeah. Uh, do you have you known guys that like put it in reverse order to like try and? No, I no. think at that point you don't know what to. You don't you just know, do whatever. Yeah, you just yeah follow orders. Uh, okay, so where where I wanted to go with like uh, why did they send you to Okinawa? Like what was going on in that area that the that the Marines needed to be there? So we've always maintained presence in Okinawa since was it World War II? Okay. So and I actually got to go on while I was there. Uh, battle sites tour, which is pretty cool. They That's have like cool. a Marine Corps has a single Marines program. So different areas they have different activities and tours and different things that they take you on to kind of keep you occupied, keep you out of trouble in your free time and all that stuff. Um, and I went on a battle sites tour and got to see all the caves and different stuff from World War II. It was fascinating. Like and some of the stuff like. I don't know. I can't even imagine. It's funny. You run into older veterans and they're always like, oh man, thank you for your service. I can't even imagine what you guys do today. And I'm thinking the total opposite. I'm like, holy cow. I could not have done. I, there's no way I could have done. I mean, obviously we would have been forced to. Sure. But that's eh, wild. It, the, that battle sites tour was unbelievable. But so, sorry, off topic. No, no, that no, it's on topic because it's about you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so you're in Okinawa, and so you were just there kind of maintaining presence, training and training and training, like, you know, continuing that, staying staying ready. And then, but you said then you got brought back to East Coast. No, so while I was in Okinawa, um, we actually went on a float. They call it like a West Pack because it's the Western Pacific. You get on ship and you go tour around different islands and all that stuff, and it is kind of in show of force. So a little bit of heat at that time and i can't remember the exact con what what happened with the exact conflict and it wasn't like we were at war or anything like that but we did deploy to uh korea i spent 30 days in korea hmm. in show of force in south korea um it was camp mujuk like right there and uh interesting yeah we i got like a service deployment ribbon and all that stuff for that because it was actually like an exercise like in show of force to kind of back off north korea at the time so i hit on that Western Pacific float, we hit Guam, Thailand, Singapore, and Korea. I was in Korea for 30 days. It rained for like 28 straight. Miserable. Wow. Yeah, it was, it was miserable. <laughs> it's, like, it's like that scene in uh, Forrest Gump when he's like describing all the different rains. Yeah. Um, so when you're doing all of this traveling, again, like forgive if these are ignorant questions, but when you are uh, in the military like that, I'm assuming you being in the military is your passport. You do you or do you have to like have a passport to like get in and out of all these places? Nope, you're exactly right. So, and we don't even go um, like all the travel until you. There is different areas that you travel where you take like civilian transport, but the majority of the time it's all military transport. Mm. So the ships and the trucks and the planes and everything, it's all military. So they don't require you to have a passport. Gotcha. Okay, so you do your your was it a tour yeah like, that's what that, we call it exactly yep tour. so you do your tour there and then and then you come back to the states or you go from there to nope from there i went to north carolina okay. um jacksonville north carolina which was camp lejeune gotcha and started on a pre-deployment like we knew prior to that like even in basic training because so just to back up a little bit and kind of set the timeline. Um, I was a senior during 9-11. I remember um, coming out of the parking lot and talking to one of my friends. They're like, oh, we're going to war and all this stuff. And I'm like, ah, yeah, right. I didn't really were you signed it. up at that time? No, wasn't signed up at the time. Um, had talked to the recruiter. And after that, it was kind of be between, like we discussed, the 
all the stuff that was attractive sure. about the military for me, that kind of was the nail in the coffin. I'm like, oh, okay. So you had like a strong sense of patriotism. You wanted to do your duty. Sure. Yeah. To like go over. Were your parents worried at all and try oh. and like talk you out of it? My mom started crying. I remember she, I, yeah, I just sat her beside herself. I remember the first time you even brought it up and she's like, why would you want to do that? Yeah. And then it took a little, like, after what did, she, what did you tell? Like, <clears throat> how do you, as a teenager, I'm trying to imagine my son as a senior, like coming home and trying to articulate why he wants to, you know, sign up and go to war. So like, what did that sound like? I said, I just told, told her I'm going in the Marine Corps. So <laughs> I was 17 at the time. Okay. So my parents had 17 years of me. They knew I'm kind of a headstrong like once I have my mind set on something, you're not going to talk me out of it. <laughs> Fair enough. And they pretty much knew like, oh, uh, and so like, even when I just told her that it was like for me, like if my kids came and said that, I'd be like, yeah, okay, we'll see. We'll see what you, cause there's a lot of, by the time you actually ship and go, but sure. I think my mom knew me well. And the first time I said that she took it at full value, like he's really doing this. Huh. So yeah. And she was upset. She wanted me to stay. She wanted me to go on a mission. She wanted me to go to college, you know, all the things that you want for your kids to be successful and have a, you know, fulfilled life. And I'd, I'd planned on going on a mission at the time. And I even talked to my bishop and I, I feel really strongly about this. I feel really strongly about this. I don't know what to do. And he said, uh, I can't tell you. You'll have to pray about it and do what your heart tells you. And I did. And I ended up going in the Marine Corps. But. Cool. So uh, you come back here, you're in North Carolina. Um, what what happens after that? You said you were training for or doing pre-deployment. Pre-deployment, yeah. So we we so did a, we got off because you were like you started saying pre-deployment and you like that's said, gonna happen. Well, Mike, we we sorry, knew I'm a yellow personality and I'll be no 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 you're fine because <laughs> I, I, I go all over the place as well and sometimes it'll be real random where I'm like oh here's how we got a mile off track and then I kind of try and bring it back so no don't don't worry about it we we don't have a time this is long format content here so um, okay so you're at what point did you know that you were getting deployed to Afghanistan? Uh, Afghanistan was a lot later. So my first deployment okay. was Iraq. So I did three to Iraq and one to Afghanistan. When you say three, how long is a typical deployment? Um, in the Marine Corps, they're anywhere six to nine months. Okay. Um, so. Got it. So you did three deployments to Iraq, but those came after your pre-deployment in North Carolina. Yeah, so you do pre-deployment training, which builds you up to, like they go through different exercises and then you get taught about, you know, foreign language, religion, geography, history, agriculture. I mean, they teach you everything. And then you go through the, um, uh, what would you call it? Like a, a combat tactics and different, you know what I mean? Like there's different operating procedures in sure. different areas and so you go through all that pre-deployment training and then you ship out and they fly you into Kuwait, stop in Kuwait. And then from there it's military. So your first flight into Kuwait is um, civilian. Like it's a civilian, it's World Airlines. And it seems like we stopped, flew out of California. I'm trying to think, oh, uh, not 29, I can't think. So from California anyway to Maine, Bangor, Maine, Bangor, Maine to Leipzig, Germany, Leipzig, Germany to 
Man, I, I wonder if I'm supposed to be saying all that. <laughs> I didn't know. I don't know. Uh, I, hope, I hope I'm not in trouble right now. So anyway, Leipzig, let Germany. Let me know if you. <laughs> I don't know. But uh, Leipzig, Germany, then Kuwait. And Kuwait um, forward is military. So up until that point, it's all like civilian transportation, world airlines and and all that. And then from out of Kuwait, then you're kind of technically in the danger zone, right? So then it's military and like escorted flights with combat ready helicopters so on. when i when i think of like uh military units flying i i envision you know the the big aircraft where you're sitting on the side and you're like all in your gear and stuff like getting ready to jump out of C-130, a plane yeah. yeah exactly uh so at what point does travel become like that quick okay so from there like you're you say battle ready so that means yeah you're flat, ready for anything jacket, kevlar weapon you're in like condition i think they call it condition four so condition four is a weapons condition and it's like you've got rounds at that point you got your magazine in but you don't have a one in the chamber mm. and condition one is in the chamber like you're ready to go um so all right so you go and you do a deployment to iraq uh and then do you have to do pre-deployment every time like so you you go you come back and then like do pre-deployment and then go and yeah so you do post-deployment too like they'll actually take you through they had us go through counseling and all kinds of stuff because they knew like especially um so when i was in iraq uh, it was in 2004 during the battle of phantom fury in fallujah it was a pretty it's intense it was intense for sure so we come back from that and they know guys are gonna have ptsd and different things um we ended up losing a lot of guys over there and so they'd send you through post-deployment and post-deployment is a series of classes that kind of help you readjust from the combat zone back into civilian life you know be a dad and a and a husband and you know don't go crazy and steal a tank and drive down the freeway and (laughs) sure (laughs) because i think somebody did that did they seems like i saw that on tv yeah Huh. Wild. Uh, you say coming back and being a father and family, like, uh, are you still single at this point? Are you married? Like, do you have a family? So I got married right before my first deployment. Okay. Uh, funny story. Let's hear it. Um, I checked it, came into the barracks, checked into the barracks. Um, when you, each duty station you go to, you'll have an escort. You first get there and somebody to meet you and they kind of take you through, show you around, show you the barracks and show you around base and so on and so forth, different areas that are like the essentials that you're going to need to know where to go and where your workstation is at and all that. Um, So I get all that done. You check in different sections because they've got like the different S shops. And I know that sounds like jargon to you, which it is. But they're like S1 is where they deal with pay and um all the kind of admin type stuff and then they had s2 and s3 and s4 and so on so you check into all those different areas you check in with the command a sergeant major and so on and then they'll take you and say okay we're going to take you to the barracks let you put your stuff away change over and depending on when you get there they'll have you go back to your shop and you work the day or you're like get there on a friday or something and they're like okay you got the weekend blah 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 overseas you have to have an nco which is an e4 a corporal or above um, to escort you off the actual installation. So I was like, oh, no, my weekend's ruined, right? Like, I'm not going. I didn't know anybody. I didn't know a corporal. I didn't know anything. So I was like, oh, I'm going to be stuck here my whole weekend, right? So I check in. They take me to the barracks. I had laundry, I remember, because we, we were in transit a couple different places. So I wanted to get all my laundry done, everything put away, my room squared away, cleaned. All, so I'm, like, prepped and ready for, to start the new week. And so I'm doing that, and I'm... I go into the laundry room and I'm doing my laundry and in 
walks a, a female, female Marine. And I remember thinking and like immediately, holy smoke. And <laughs> trying, trying not to be obvious that I'm like looking at her, right? Like you gotta be discreet. So doing my laundry and I'm like, can't just like look like I'm not gonna be the guy like staring at her you know so I'm like doing my laundry trying to ignore her and I look over again and I'm like holy cow so and <laughs> change laundry whatever come back she comes back this like almost the same time as me and we're switching our laundry out because she was doing laundry too and so they have like a, a group style laundry room and that's you know what I mean they call it a common area because everybody uses the same laundry facilities sure. and so the second time <laughs> I may have not been as discreet. Like I'm changing over my laundry loads and I kind of like leaned back and, and looked and she caught me like, boom, busted me right in the eyes looking at her. I was like, oh, no. and I could feel my face turning red. I was like, no. So I was like trying to hurry and get out of there, right? And she comes right over immediately. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> like really nice? Yeah, nice, but like, I. I I don't know. She was very, your very confident. Huh? I mean, she was a sergeant of Marines. Sure. She was super confident and just like, she knew, I mean, she could probably tell by looking at me that I'm a brand new boot is what they call it, the new guys. So she's like, hey, how's it going? I'm Sergeant Cruz. And I'm like, oh no. Like, it's nice to meet you, Sergeant. I'm uh, private first class PFC, <laughs> PFC <laughs> And so ever since that day, so come to find out, she worked directly in the same shop as me so she asked me she's like hey i'm i'm sergeant cruz nice to meet you she's like who did you, you you knew here and i said yeah i just got here and she's like oh well what section are you with or whatever because the the barracks was obviously the same squadron what they have the squadron of marines in the same barracks right so she knew i was with her squadron somehow but she didn't know what section i was with i'm like oh, i'm with motor t and utility she's like oh so am i she's like well i'm your new sergeant and i was like no <laughs> It would have been better if it was like a top gun moment, you know, where like you have that awkward interaction at the laundry and then you're standing in formation waiting for your sergeant to show up. And like, that happened. That actually absolutely happened. So she's like, well, I'm your new sergeant and all that stuff. Right. And I'm like, oh, OK, well, but she was utility. So I didn't I was like, I didn't understand at that point, like how our section kind of interacted and where she would be in accordance sure. with like chain of command and stuff. So I go month and this was on a Friday. So I was lucky. I got like portion of a day and checked out for the weekend um monday go to formation stand out in front of our our building where they told me to report and stuff right and kind of talking to getting to know some of the other guys and all that and they're like one of our corporals will usually put us in formation before the platoon sergeant gets there and like actually goes over the briefing for the day like the you know whatever we got planned for for that day so they're like hey go ahead and form it up get in formation stuff so we're standing there at parade rest just like at ease and he calls us to attention and here comes sergeant cruz to take over the formation i was like no this can't be happening <laughs> that's awesome and as she comes like she kind of looks over at me and i i then like i've gained quite a bit of bearing at this point in my life but then like i couldn't if I don't know. I feel my face going red again. I'm like, no, it was just, it was embarrassing all the way around. So I just avoided her at that point at all cost. And she ended up calling me out on it one day. 
we were she was in charge of like the tool room and they call it ove gear like gear you'd have to check out to like say like a tow chain tow bar depending on what you're doing with like the vehicles so we'd go into the ove room and check out different like road cones or whatever depending on what we're doing and i'd have to go to her and sign it out so i just like wouldn't even make eye contact i just like you know proper greeting the day because that's required good afternoon sergeant and then that was it and sign out my tools and have a good day and i was <laughs> out no eye contact, just bailing and she called me out one day. She's like, hey, how come you're so awkward? You, you can you can talk to me, you know? She's like, it's okay, you know, you could... <laughs> and I could feel my face going red again. She knew, like, I, you know, I thought she was hot. I'm, sh I'm sure she was used to it. She was a very... She's very beautiful. Um, anyway, got called out, and I was like, you know what? I'm not... So I was like, well, you know, I, I, I don't know. I'm kind of shy, I guess. I don't... <laughs> and she's like, have a good day. Cass. That's what everybody called me because Cassingham is apparently too long. So everybody, have, have a good day, Cass. Because she knew, like, everybody just punking me. And I'm like, I'm not going out like that. I'm not going out like no chump. So, and it, they have what's called fraternization. Like, certain ranks, like, enlisted aren't supposed to date officers. And um, E4 and below, are, you can kind of, like, intermeet. Like, they don't encourage it, obviously. They kind of discourage it, but... They're not going to, like, you won't get in trouble. But, like, an under E4 and above E4, that's fraternization. Because at that point, they're a non-commissioned officer, an NCO. So we weren't supposed to, like, date or anything like that, right? Mm. And that's why it was awkward, because I was like, mm, there's nothing. I can't even ask her out on I can't do anything at this point. I'm not, I shouldn't even be flirting with her. I can't do anything. So I would just avoid it, right? <laughs> um, so we had this little bus. I was on, I forgot to mention that station was a portion of the air wing. So okay. we had like a big flight line, they called it, where the jets would come in and out and helicopters and all mm -hmm. that stuff. And we were on the other side of that. Gotcha. So I was with the Marine Tactical Air Control Squadron 18. Gotcha. And then the motor team utility section. Um, so we'd have to take a bus around the flight line to the barracks after work. We'd take, get on the bus every morning and it'd take us to our, our workshop. And so we get on the bus and I kind of like tactically sat right behind her right right against the window and she was up against the window um once we get going and people are talking their music's going all that stuff i lean in between the window and the seat and i said hey sergeant cruz <laughs> and she's like who is that Cass?" i'm like yeah i'm like when are you gonna let me take you out on a date <laughs> and she <laughs> like i was taking a huge risk here right like this is i in no way shape or form should have i, I remember thinking like oh you're really gonna do this and uh she's like oh really devil dog so devil dog is a nickname that we got in germany i think battle of uh bella wood it was the bloodiest battle of all time and forget who it was dang it my marine corps history is slipping me That's um funny. anyway so we got uh the nickname tufelhunden which in german means devil dog because the marines were so fiercely fighting the germans and so on and so forth so when you get called a devil dog by a senior rank, it's kind of like you're being put in your place almost. Like they call you, like, remember your place. Like, you're a devil dog. You're a two full hundred. And, you, and she's like, oh, really, devil dog? And I was like, oh, crap. <laughs> Why did I do that? <laughs> and so, and that was about it. She's like, oh, really, devil dog? You think you can just ask out a sergeant? And she's like, good to go. Don't worry. And I was like, oh, no, I'm so dead now. And I didn't say another word the whole bus ride. So... We get off the bus and I just like, uh, take off right to my room, right? 
go to my room and I'm changing my clothes. And we had a couple of uh, females with us. One was a Lance Corporal. So Lance Corporal Klarkowski, her roommate, comes to my room, knocks on the door, and she's like, hey, uh, you got to get back in uniform. Go report into Sergeant Cruz. I was like, oh, I'm toast. So I'm like, all right, good. I'm like, did she say anything? Is she like, I'm trying to get, you know, whatever details, figure out what's going on. And she's like, no, she just said, you got to be in uniform, go report into her. So I'm like, crap. Put my uniform back on, go knock on her door. And report in means like position of attention, proper greeting of the day. Here is, you know, reporting is ordered. So I knock on her door, stand at the position of attention. Say, good afternoon, Sergeant Cor or uh, PFC Casting, and reporting is ordered. And she like pokes her head out the hall. Make sure nobody's there. She's like, come in. So go in her room. She's like, all right, this is what's going to happen. She's like, go to your room, change over. And I'm like, wait, wait, wait. I'm like, why did you do that to me? Why did you do that to me? I was losing. Like, I thought I was in so much trouble. And she's like, well, we got to be discreet. She's like, I, I'm not, I can't date you. She's like, we're not supposed to. You can't ask me out on a date. We can't let anybody know. So she's like, so this is what's going to happen. Go to your room, change your clothes, put on whatever. And she's like, come to the e-club. She's like, I will be there exactly this time in a taxi. Just don't say anything. Get in the taxi and we'll leave. I'm like, okay. So she goes, <laughs> and that's how it started. Wow. We started dating and we didn't, we kept it professional at work. Like nobody knew any, I mean, we were a hundred percent good to go. Sergeant. Yes. No, you know, position of whatever I had to do. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's <laughs> so as you're telling the story, now that I know you both are, uh, you know, in the Marines, when did you guys get deployed together or separate deployments like from that point like how does the how does the military deal with that like so typically depending on your i think airmen like different jobs in the um, aircraft field you would have a five-year contract just because um, certain jobs the school takes longer so your your actual contract in the fleet uh, Marine Corps would be longer. Um, but the other portion is it's a four-year contract. Majority of military contracts is a four-year contract. Well, she was near the end of hers. Like she was very close to like getting out of the uh, Marine Corps. And she did, she got out, went back to California and all that. So, <clears throat> but we never did deploy together. She got went it. to, like while we were there, she got put on, I forget what it's called, but she went to Okinawa, but I stayed back like main body. Uh, so we never did deploy together or anything but. okay so military how long did you serve 10 years 10 years and after you got out of the military what what like did you did you guys continue to date did you get married while you guys were or while you were uh active duty no so we almost i gotta add one portion okay we almost got in trouble for it uh -huh. And my fault. Uh huh. Um, the entire time, like we were professional, never knew, nobody knew that we were dating or anything. Do you know what I mean? Until right before she left. So right before she leaves, she gave has, her a big hug, and people saw. No, not even that. She had a going away party, right? And they put together this big card for her, and everybody signed it and all that stuff. Well, I was one of the last ones to sign it before they gave it to her because I was in her direct workstation like they handed it out to everybody all that right and they signed a big card we had this big beach party and all this stuff um <clears throat> and then i forget exactly what i wrote in there but it was not discreet <laughs> 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 it 
it wasn't like oh like but it was enough to know like like our staff ncos knew that something was going on so we get called in the office and talked to about it but she had like a week left but i had my whole career left sure so basically they're focusing on me they're like you can't you know uh like you're still held to the same standard as everybody else don't think that you're getting away with this just because she's about to get out of it like anyway so i got a talking to mm. and that's about where it ended but luckily well there you go all right so uh you get out of the you get out of service or is it your uh what's it called when you end your your service you're discharged so it's end of active status. So when you end active duty, uh-huh. usually depending on how, well, I think always you go into uh, inactive reserve. You have like a six month inactive reserve, but the, every, we all call it the acronym EAS. It's your end of active service. Does uh, inactive reserve mean that like if something really yes. went down, you could get called back yes. up? Got it. Um, Okay, so what did you do after that? Uh, now, now we're gonna. Now I want to start understanding how you end up in the trades. Did any of that begin in when you were in the uh, military? Mm, probably not. Not no. really. Okay, so you get well, out of so the military. So I did get introduced to uh, air conditioning and heating and air and all that stuff in because utilities, the utilities section. So I was motor transport. And on deployment, we would haul fuel to fill generators, which in turn ran air conditioning and the air control shelters. That's what that unit was. It was an air control unit. So they had these little uh, shelters, 10 and 20 foot shelters to control and communicate with aircraft. And they were ran by generator and um, radar and all that stuff, right? So we had the radar that we'd set up, which was ran by generators and then the shelters and all that stuff. And then they all had air conditioning hooked to them so we had utility guys that we would kind of run around with and help out on different things and then they would come with us and help us with our daily tasks or whatever so I I did get introduced to it there got it um and then kind of capitalized on that in um on one of my tours one of my good friends uh Josh Days from Anchorage Alaska he was a they called it a reefer tech there but worked on air conditioners sure I mean him got really close we'd go to the gym together every day and I'd go and help him do his PMCS, like preventative maintenance checks and services and all that stuff. And so that's kind of where I got introduced to the concepts. Then getting out of the military, I they, they put you through, again, like another training, right? <laughs> <laughs> but they would, it was, uh, they called it uh, separations training. So they would um, put you through classes and you got a, uh, Oh my heavens, my vocabulary is terrible. Uh, what is it where they, they would like test you for what your strengths are? Like, like your aptitude test? Yes, or exactly. Like That's that. the word I was thinking to an aptitude test. So you take an aptitude test and a bunch of stuff. And then they'd put together like, okay, this is a career plan for you exiting. Like this is an exiting strategy for you to go back into the civilian sector. Yep. So, and I was geared towards the medical field. I still had it in the back of my mind, dentistry. Um, but I'd kind of switched. I'm like, you know what? I'd rather go like nursing or something like that. And I think what changed it is mouths are gross. <laughs> yes, they are. So that and then I I had heard somewhere that like postmen and dentists had like the highest suicide rates. 
So I was like, well, I don't want to do that. Like the mailman? Yeah, like the going postal. Ah. They do. They have like the like a high, but dentists do too, apparently. Huh. I don't know where that random knowledge. I, I store stuff, but I and I remember that. I've heard that, that, like, medical, heard that like medical people had like a high, uh, you know, suicide rate, but I didn't. I didn't know that like dentists like took the cake. Yeah, dentist. Yeah. Huh. Take the cake, yeah. Uh, okay, so <clears throat> you were going to pursue medical. Progress me through how you end up like becoming aware of the trades to as a career option. Yeah, so I did pursue medical, went through a complete nursing program, was working as a nurse at Central Utah Veterans Home. Um, and I'd been there for a couple years. And my brother, Coulter, who works for the company, as you know, mm -hmm. he's the one that kind of, so, obviously there's a story behind that too. Um, so I was working at Central Utah Veterans Home. I completed a nursing program, um, all, like so close to getting my RN certificate at the time as a registered nurse and I actually ended up did, did getting that and um Coulter one day so nursing in Utah is pretty saturated pretty competitive so to get into certain areas surgery under um physicians or in a specialty clinic or something like that like it you got to have a little experience and put together a resume and so that's kind of what I was working on just my experience putting together a resume and as I was doing that like it just wasn't panning out um just roadblocks. Oh, well, not roadblocks, but I could not. Prior to joining the Marine Corps, I was ironclad. Like, you couldn't get me mad. You couldn't mess with my, like, you couldn't excite. Like, I was pretty just. Even kill? Like, even kill. Chill? Yeah, super mellow. Now, like, emotionally heightened. I'll cry in movies. I was so tough. Like, now I, I can't control. I just, I don't know. I, I relate to a lot more stuff now. I think it happens as you get older anyway, but. I couldn't separate the personal and professional, especially with veterans. I was working at a veterans home, like a long-term veterans home. And so uh -huh. like me and their families were just becoming like super close. And I was, I had guys I was spending nine hours a day with, you know, and they're these, like they're my heroes. They're heroes. Sure. Like they're, some of their stories are unbelievable. Like these guys are on like the untouchables. Like I hear their story. I'm just like, holy, uh, medal of honor winners and silver cross and all this stuff. And they're now, like I'm helping them with their daily activities because they're old enough that they can't, you know, complete function. And that's why they end up in the, the care facility. And so it's just, it was, it was heavy. It was super heavy because a lot of them end up being terminal. You know, they're, everybody dies. Sure. And it was just, I don't know. It was too, it, I wasn't wired. For, I'm not wired for it. I just was like, nah, I don't want to deal with this. I gotcha. need something lighter. And Coulter is the one who, uh, I was working, I had just gone from swing shift, or no, excuse me, just from graveyards to swing shift. And I'd work it straight through like a 24 hour shift. So I had the extra day on the weekend and he caught me like just changing shift. And he called Coulter me. Coulter did? Yeah. And he called me and he's like, what are you doing? I'm like, well, I just got off work. I'm headed home. He's like, well, I'll meet you there. And I was like, uh, okay. And if you know Coulter, he's always got something up his sleeve. Sure. He doesn't do anything without intent. <laughs> so he meets me there and I walk in and I'm haggard and just got off a 24 and in my scrubs and all that. And he just got off work too. This is like 6 PM, something like that. And he's fresh as could be happy and sitting at the bar, joking with my kids, clean still. And, and he looks at me, he's like, what are you doing, bro? 
like he's king of call outs for sure man he's gonna see this and just laugh he's like oh thanks but uh i'm like well i'm coming in to wash my hands what do you mean what are you doing and uh he's like no what are you he's like after i wash my hands he's like come sit down he's like bro come work with me he's like look you look terrible you got bags under your eyes you're putting weight on you're you're ornery he's like come work with me let me just bring you in and take you on a tour and you can see what we're doing, see what we're putting together here, see what's going on. If you don't like it, you can go back to what you're doing. But at the end, I'm going to tell you I told you so. So, all right, Coulter, here's your, you, you told me so. You got me. So I was like, no, I just went through all the schooling and, you know, completed a nursing degree and I'm not changing career paths now. He's like, I'm not, and I'm not saying you have to. He's like, but just come, come take a tour. Let me introduce you to some people. So he finally convinced me to come into one of our training meetings on a so Tuesday. So he was working at any hour at that yeah. point. Okay. Yep. And I think at that point, I want to say, I think he was still in service. Okay. At that point. So I go in with, he was in service. Cause I remember going sitting with them in the training meeting, like listening to the music, listening to Lincoln come up and speak and seeing them throwing darts, seeing all the. How long ago was this? Oh, good question, Mike. You can't ask me memory questions. Cause I don't know. I can't remember. Well, I mean, like three <laughs> years, four years. Like how how, um, how long does it? How long do you think you've been here? It seems like it was about. Oh man, it's longer than I thought because I went to school for two years uh -huh. after that. Yep. Like I used the, I had a portion of the jabule left that I didn't use, and I left the meeting thinking like, okay, that's that's what I want to do. That's going to be awesome. And then went back to school for HVAC. So man, it had to have been. Seven years ago, maybe. Wow. Six years ago. So when you, so you come out of the meeting, what was it about the, the meeting that like, cause you, like you say, you were doing the nursing thing and your, your guard was up at first. Didn't think that you were going to, you know, come in and, and do this. How long had uh Coulter, are you, are you older than Coulter or younger? Older. You're older than Coulter. How long had he been uh, doing this? I think only a couple years. A couple of years? for two, three years, something like that. So you come in, and where, when, did your, when did your mind change? Well, talking to him, like he kind of, even coming over, him telling me like, oh, yeah, it's the camaraderie. Is all, and I had... Yeah, the, there's nothing that will ever compare to the Marine Corps, like sure. the camaraderie and the, the people you meet and all that, you know. Um, but coming in here and seeing everybody getting together in that training room and they're talking and all that stuff and like seeing it just, I don't know, everything about it. I don't know. I, I can't point similar. More. Yeah, it just made me feel at home. Like I walked in there and I was just like, this is awesome. I want to be a part of this. Yeah, it felt very similar camaraderie, like the the whole organization, everything like walking through and Marines are meticulous. Like we get inspected on everything and all that, but like the process and everything going on here, the uniforms and the, like the uniform room and the cleaning and like the, like everything that the company does and the, how it's structured and everything. I'm just like, Oh man, this is about as close as I'm going to get. <laughs> That's but, awesome. Yeah. Um, so you say that you, uh, went back to school for HVAC. Did you accept a job here first? Like how, how no. did it? So, you, no, I'd come in and I ended up talking to Wyatt. I, I remember sitting in Wyatt's office and talking to him. Wyatt, Wyatt wanted me to be a plumber. Really? And I was like, no, nah, I don't want to be a plumber. 
And he said, well, I don't have anything open in the other, the other trade right now. And I said, that's okay. I plan on, I'd like to do HVAC. I was intrigued by it, interested. I'm kind of a science geek anyway. Sure. And so I was like, well, I'm going to go to school, use the, the GI Bill. And by the time I finish, hopefully you guys have something that opens up. And he said, yeah, keep in contact. We'd love to have you and so on and so forth. So how long was it? Uh, how long were you in school before you? Just um, barely under two years. Two years. And then, so after that, you you kept doing nursing. Did you go to school at night or did you stop nursing and do schooling? Initially, I started going to school at night and that program wasn't, I mean, that was brutal, not working out. So, and luckily the GI Bill, um, I had qualified for chapter 33, which is like the main portion of the GI Bill, the Montgomery GI Bill. And they will there's like a housing allowance that comes with it. So they pay for your, your tuition, but then you get housing allowance for rent and all that stuff too. So I ended up just dropping out of nursing completely. I put in my two weeks was like one of the happiest days of my life. Even though I love that, I actually miss it big time. Like I miss the guys. I've gone over there a couple of times. We don't live there too far from there. Sure. I've gone over and talked to some of the guys and the staff and stuff, but <clears throat> um, anyway. So, uh, couple years you finish your HVAC schooling and then you come back and say hey do you have an opening yet so this worked out perfectly I also have a couple of friends in the trades like I'm really good friends with Jason Tanner which is part owner of Triple T and and Paul Casey owns HRC and they were recruiting me pretty hard got it so I was like oh, I don't know what to do and um, I remember right before I graduated um, it worked out so perfect, but Coulter calls me. He's like, Hey, we got an opening. Come back in. We're going to take you the meeting and interview and all that stuff. And so I, I was like, okay, I come back in, talk to Lincoln, talk to Troy. Jeremy gave me a formal offer. And I was like, I kind of sat on it for a little bit. Cause I was like, well, I don't, I know I kind of have some options now. Like I'm certified, just got out of school. And, and I was like, yeah, I'm going to go with NER. I'm not going to change. And, and, um, anyway, so. Well, let, let me stop you there real quick because you say that you were, uh, you know, being recruited heavy by these other places. Why did you choose any hour over them? A big reason was because obviously my brother's like, dude, are you kidding me? What are you? Why would you? He's like, you don't even know. He's just trust me. Just trust me. He told me that and still does. <laughs> we talk all the time every day. Just about we talk. And he tells me all the time. He's just, still trying to convince you to stay? No, he's not <laughs> trying to convince me to stay, but he always just says, just trust me. Just trust me. Trust the process. Just trust me. Because he'll give me little tips and pointers on how to deal with scenarios with customers. But sure. just trust me. Just trust me. So I trust him. I've always trusted him. But So, there, so it was like off of the strength of your brother's faith in the company, you went with that? Or well, was that there... and the, just the... Pre there was a lot more to it and I, I mean well that's what i'm trying to like figure out because there there's people that are that are in that are either thinking about going into the trades or they're in the trades and what i'm what i want to try and help them understand is that like one going into the trades is a great career choice but your success can be amplified if you find the right place to like build your career sure and so so that's what i'm trying to to figure out is like you know, because you had, you had a couple of different paths that you could have taken all in the trades. Uh, and this has turned out to be successful for you, sure. but like 
so like looking back, like what are those differences? Like what should somebody be looking for in a company that is a sign of like success? Actually, that's, I actually asked my instructor that when I, cause I was still in school. So I still had, I had two months left before I graduated um, when they, when Coulter brought me back in and I ended up doing, it worked out perfect. I ended up doing ride alongs. And then when I graduated, they put me like right in a vehicle. But I remember asking my instructor the same thing. And they were, my instructors were actually trying to talk me into going commercial. And I'm mm. like, oh, I don't want to go commercial. That's like big equipment. You're stuck in the same place all the time. You know what I mean? Working on the same equipment. Cause it's usually like a contract with a building or a company or something like that. So I know I didn't want to do, I'd been stuck in a building doing nursing and I knew I didn't want that. Right. But so I went and talked to the Dean and I'm like, well, so what, what should I be looking for? And he's like, well, you know, obviously pay, but you know, he said pay isn't everything. You want to look at benefits and you know, do they, do you have a company vehicle and do you have this and that? And, and, and I started telling him about any, I'm like, yeah, they get a company vehicle. They do your laundry. And he's like, oh, really? They do the, I said, yeah, they do the laundry. I mean, I said, they have like this dart thing. It was the awesomest thing I've ever seen. Like you go in at the end of the week and you get to throw darts for cash. And he said, really? Yeah. And I was telling, and he said, yeah, you probably shouldn't pass that up. <laughs> That's awesome. I told, I mean, I, there, I'm sure there's, I'm missing all kinds of details. Sure. But I was telling him about my experience, like coming into the meeting and he's like, yeah, you probably shouldn't pass that up. I would, I would definitely look into that. That's awesome. And, um, so, so you come in, you look into it and how, um, how has it been? It has been life-changing a hundred percent life-changing my demeanor. I'm a better, I'm a better husband because of NER. I'm a better dad because of NER. How that like, that sounds, that sounds like, uh, I don't know, like that, that sounds when you think about like going and, and being a a plumber or an electrician or an HVAC technician. Like, I don't know how many people would think like, uh, is this going to enhance my family life? Actually, maybe the opposite because like, you know, the trades and construction, sure. they're not always known as being family friendly. So like, how, I would you gotta, have to you use gotta an, explain to me how you're a better an husband and father to, to explain it. So say, say, say your dad came and said, we're going to go do this big work job. Okay. Right? We're going to go, weed this this yard and all this stuff and you see the work you're like oh man it's gonna be a lot of work okay dang i don't know if i really want to do that but then the feeling that you get after then say like you did it as like pro bono like it was a pro bono type thing like you did it just service just service the feeling that you get after that no matter this is just my opinion sure it's coming from me obviously but I, i feel like no matter who you are you're gonna be happy after that, like you've done something nice for somebody that generates happiness and your general demeanor changes like your hardened shell or my, I'll, I'll refer it to me. My hardened shell started breaking down because I had this kind of like, I've been all over the place, seen all kinds of stuff. And my shell started kind of like diminishing and it just, I, I don't know, doing so, things for people. And we would refer to it as giving them the pickle, right? You've seen that video. Mm-hmm. Taking somebody's trash out as I'm leaving their house. For those house listening, or, they're talking about going the extra mile, like doing going the extra doing, mile, doing some extra for them. Yeah, that that was kind of the, I don't know, between and and that being like what we're about, so being the culture that it just, I don't know. So any hours, um, 
deliberate, intentional training of you to not just look at a customer as a dollar sign, but to look at them as someone to be helped. As an opportunity to do something nice for somebody. And even though they're paying me, if I can get that customer to laugh, I'm good at getting people to laugh or joke or lighten up the scenario. I mean, coming into their house, usually something's broken or, you know, or, or they're flooded or, but if we can get them to smile, if we can change their day or provide an extra, like, is there anything else I can do? Can I take your trash out for just something kind that I don't know. So the work environment here is such where you can go out and you can be in a technical field, but because of the way you are looking at it from a perspective of like, I'm out helping people that gives you uh, like positive emotional reinforcement that allows you to then go home and feed that positivity into your relationships there. Absolutely. Absolutely. You nailed it. And that's exactly what it is. It's that happiness that's generated and the mentality of like back to a human being from a robot is kind of what I feel like happened with me from like my transition from the military, like back into civilian workforce and like going into service and all that stuff. And could that have happened somewhere else? Sure, maybe human interaction, I guess, but not on this level. That's, that's I've never actually thought of it that way where like either your your job satisfaction or how you feel about what you're doing, that emotion that you're building up all day, and then you go home and whatever that emotion is, it gets dumped on your family. Oh yeah, absolutely. Positive or negative. Yep, absolutely. So if you're out there and have a bad attitude and it's like building up a bunch of negativity when you go home, that gets dumped on your family. Yep. But like, that's, I've, I've never thought of it that way. Thank you for for sharing that. Cause like when, when someone's like, uh, makes me a better, you know, husband and father, that sounds, it sounds hokey. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not saying that that's not true, but well, like even, even the training that I've got here, like applying that to relationships and learning the color code and how like, Oh, you know what? I need to step back and evaluate this and use like, I, I now understand their, I guess it's their, their core drive, like what they're trying to, or what they, their needs are or, Huh. I don't know. <clears throat> Who'd have thought like want a better relationship with your family? Become an HVAC tech. <laughs> Actually work for it any hour. It does sound pretty funny. Now I hear you say it. It does sound <laughs> pretty funny, but it it works. Well, but when you when you take the time to articulate it, I think it, it makes total sense. But like, yeah, at, at at first at first blush, it's like it almost sounds like uh propaganda. Like sure. you know, you're just saying that, but you know, because this is this is a show that like you know, any hour, you know, puts the, the show on and you work for any hour. So you're going to say positive things, sure. but like that, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, what you're saying. So, well, anybody out there that knows me, then I tell it how they'll, they would, and I'm sure there's people that are going to be all oh, that's sure that sure. That's what he'd say, but I tell it how it is, Mike. Well, uh, and, and we, I mean, the show is the show. I just ask the questions. Yeah. You guys give the answers and, and that's what it is. So um, this is this has been uh, this has been a good conversation. What would you say to uh, someone thinking about getting into the trades? I just uh, tried to recruit uh, two girls the other day, actually. And I kind of just briefly touched on. What did you say to them? How did you try and recruit them? 
I just told them they're hard workers. I'm like, man, you guys are hard workers. You're busting your butt. Have you ever thought about going into the trades? It's so enjoyable. I just told them, you know, it's enjoyable. You get to work. I mean, they're independent out in their own truck and they were actually delivering um, to a gas station. So they're offloading product and all that stuff and taking it in. And these two girls were sweating. They were getting after it. And I was just, I sat there for a second in my truck, um, just watching them. For, I'm like, holy cow. So I, I had to approach them. I'm like, hey, you guys are hard workers. Have you ever thought about getting into the trades or anything? But what I would say to anybody getting into the trades is it is hard work, but it is the most rewarding hard work. I, I can't say that I've done ever, but some of the scenarios that I've walked, because you're going to people's homes, and you're sometimes coming, sometimes it's like, say they forget they had that appointment or whatever, right? You caught them off guard and they've got things, they're in the midst of life and you get, you have the opportunity to have an impact on their day and in their, on their life. So I don't know. It's exactly that. It's an opportunity and it's rewarding above and beyond. I'm not even going to try and add to it. That was well said. Um, before we go. Do any final thoughts, any shout outs you want to give anything like that? <laughs> nope. Does, does your wife still outrank you? Yep. <laughs> All right. We've got a section of the show. Oh, wait, oh. can we edit that part out? I don't want her to hear that. I'm just kidding. <laughs> she knows. She knows. <laughs> yeah, she, she knows. knows. <laughs> uh, whether you wanted to admit it or not. Anyway, um, before we go, we've got a section of the show that we call Don't Judge Me. Just just some fun. I'm going to throw a bunch of uh, either or scenarios at you and you just quickly, whatever comes to the top of your head, you just you just answer and. Uh, All right. Be prepared. That's how we're going to go. Me be prepared. Well, I tell, I tell how it is, Mike. Well, <laughs> I mean, they're one word answers, so oh, I, okay. I don't know that like that we're going to get like super deep, but I am prepared. I mean, I wrote the questions. <laughs> I'm, I'm more prepared than you are. All right. So here we go. You ready? I'm trying to improvise, adapt, and overcome. I don't know that you're more prepared than me. <laughs> <laughs> well played, sir. Okay. Uh, spicy or mild? Spicy. Water or soda? Oh, it depends on the day. Water. Always water. But then you just Unless said you it depends caffeine. on the day. <laughs> you were like, depends on the day. Always water. Like yeah, a, That's always the smart choice. All right. Country or pop? Music. Country country cats or dogs dogs summer or winter winter sweet or salty hmm can we not have both that's the essence of life you need to we'll go salty uh, adapt <laughs> and what is it improvise you adapt to, and overcome yeah, that's right so what did you choose uh salty salty here's the thing even though i'm giving you either or like yes you can leave here and you can get something sweet and something well, salty sweet and salty is one of those things you can't have one without the other i like or you wouldn't appreciate one without the other that's what life's about you can't appreciate without experiencing the other contrast yep you want to experience more love go out and experience more pain <laughs> okay uh <laughs> football or basketball football indoor or outdoor outdoor TV or movies? Movies. Jim and Pam or Dwight and Angela? I don't know the reference. Jim and Pam, Dwight. 
You have to know the reference. That's I mean, it, when a, I say it, you'll you'll be like, "That's a blank." Really? Yeah. 100%. You ever seen The Office? No. I've heard of it. I haven't watched it. How old are you? Thirty-seven. <laughs> like that doesn't seem possible. You never. Okay. Is it a TV or movie? That's a TV show. I'm not a TV guy. As a matter of fact, we don't have TV at my house. Okay. Okay. Uh, well, I mean, it was it was a show. Like, don't worry about it. <laughs> Oh, then I'm going to skip the TV. Maybe things. I'll have to look into it. You never watched TV like growing up? Of course. Sure. And you never saw The Office. The Office never. We were very limited on like if we were caught watching TV for an extended time at my house, we, we'd be occupied. They're like, oh, okay, you need to be occupied. You're sitting in front of the tube. We'd you need to be occupied? Yeah. What does that mean? There's productive things that you could be doing other than just sitting idly watching nonsense <laughs> that's how i was raised fair like, enough fair enough fair enough uh were there any tv shows from growing up that you remember sure yeah we um i remember specifically probably the longest back memory that i have is the andy griffith show and Did i loved that, that show nick at night or something no i loved that show but when it came on it meant nap time uh when i was a little kid yeah i remember that wow there was a bunch good I for you macgyver I liked MacGyver. I remember like watching MacGyver and the A Team. Oh. I watched. Uh, I watched Friends a little bit, not that much. That was to the age that I, I was already trained at that point. Like if I'm watching TV, I should go do something. All right. Well, there you go. Parents brainwashed you. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, baths or showers? Shower. Uh, pedicure or manicure? Pedicure. Okay. Uh, flowers or chocolate? For me or somebody else? However you want to take it, bro. <laughs> Flowers. Okay. Pizza or burgers? Burgers. Does pineapple have any business being on pizza? That's a hard question. I love pineapple on pizza. Then your answer would be yes. But I don't know where that initiated from, did it? Does it have business being put there? Because I would like pineapple, whether it was on pizza or not. I don't know. I'd say yes. Well, that's like, does bacon belong on a burger? Who first put it on a burger? But like, does it have business being there? Yes. Yeah. Extra, please. Yeah. Pineapple on pizza? Yes. Money. All right. There you go. Thanks for being here. Thanks for your service. Thanks for sharing your stories with us today. Um, that's the show. And thanks to you for listening. Uh, if We'll be back next Tuesday with another episode of In the House. If you'd like to know more about Any Hour Services, visit anyhourservices.com. I've been your host, Mike Wilson, and you've been listening to In the House. See ya. <laughs>